Hello and welcome in my friends to the Fantasy Injury Team podcast brought to you by Guys Trips. But first, are you planning a golf trip, bachelor party, sporting event trip, or just need a weekend getaway with the guys? Guys Trip plans your entire trip and saves you up to 30% off retail pricing for rental homes, transportation, golf, nightlife, and so much more. Visit guystriplive.com and use the code FIT for 10% off your fee today. Guys Trip, just show up. Got a little bit of a different show for you guys today. We have, as always, the doctor of physical therapy, Tom Christ, but he has brought on a very special guest, another doctor of physical therapy, Jeff Mueller. We're happy to have him. These two medical experts are going to talk about six running backs on today's show, their recovery, how they're doing, how they're feeling. Today's date, August 21st. And guys, we are inching closer to game one, to week one. So these guys will talk about Brees Hall, Rashad Penny, Ken Walker, Elijah Mitchell, Kendra Miller, Miles Sanders. I will be on at the end to give my input about uh, their fantasy outlook for the year. Listen, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show, guys. Hello, Fit Squad. Today, we welcome on a very special guest. His name is Jeff Mueller. He's a doctor of physical therapy and an injury analyst for Destination Devi and DLF. You can find him on Twitter or X at JMThrivePT. What's happening, Jeff? Not much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. We're here, obviously, to talk some ball and some injuries. We've got six running backs we're going to cover today in part two of our running back series. We're going to talk about your guy, Brees Hall, Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker, Elijah Mitchell, Kendra Miller, and Miles Sanders. Last week, we did part one of our injury series, and I told Joe we cannot talk about Brees Hall today. We've got to save him for Jeff. So Jeff, obviously, he's coming off the ACL injury in week seven, some meniscus involvement as well. I'm going to just give you the wheels, jump right in on how you're feeling about Brees Hall this year. So, yeah, you say uh, before before all my posts, you know, uh, you say I probably have the biggest man crush. I think it got even bigger after he quote tweeted one of my posts. So that was an awesome moment. Um, yeah, so we know uh, roughly, I don't know if you know his specific date, but I, I tracked his surgery to close to November 15th. Uh, ACL recon, had a meniscus tear. Uh, no meniscus repair though. And I, he, from the get go, he seems to have been on a really fast track. He was, you probably saw the video on the alter G by 11 weeks out. Um, you know, not surprisingly started on pup. Um, but then I think the jets have done his rehab very wisely. Um, you know, he was on pup up until eight months, 31 days. So they probably wanted to wait right up until the nine month mark. Um, what do you think about his athleticism overall? Like, where would you put him in terms of some of these other running backs who have torn their ACL? Well, I think we know his athleticism is off the charts. And we know that some of the guys who have returned and been productive in year one post-op from ACL, we're talking Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles, Cooper Cup. Those guys match that profile as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's honestly, that's been my, my number one, uh, hype on my, you know, I think Brees Hall is going to be a, he's going to break the mold, be a year one uh, fantasy producer. He's in that 90th percentile from pretty much every athletic metric that we look at. Uh, the downside here is, you know, my entire theory on that, 
on that athletic metric was he would get more workload, um, maybe not early on, but at least by week five, six. And then, of course, Dalvin Cook has to sign there. So um, I, I do, despite Dalvin Cook being there, and obviously Dalvin Cook, you know, we've seen a lot on, he's 28 years old. He's had some efficiency regression, um, but he's still a very capable back and really a three down capable back. So he's going to, you know, it's bad news that he's going to eat into his production, but I still think Brees Hall will be able to get back to efficient touches, you know, fit really good efficiency per touch early on, hard to say uh, like week one, week two. Um, but at least by, I think once he gets closer to 11 months out, uh, by like week five, six range. I think that's fair. I mean, and I've been saying this for a few months now, out of any running back in recent memory coming back from ACL, he's got the best shot to hit the ground running. I would say I'm a little more bearish than you are simply because of the historical numbers. I mean, I've been tracking since 2017, running backs average a decline in 35% points per game in their first year back from ACL compared to their pre-injury. And I understand that's an average, and there are people in this world who are outliers. Breesall certainly has the potential to be an outlier. And now with the Dalvin signing, I'd say round five-ish is honestly the earliest I'm taking him. What about you? Yeah, I mean, looking looking at who's there, honestly, uh, Dwayne McFarland continues to talk about you know, looking at each player in those ranges, even round four, like mid to late round four, where all these guys have question marks. Um, but but obviously, you know, Brees Hall, uh, if, if you're looking at from a risk profile, Brees Hall has the injury risk, re-injury risk, uh, specifically in terms of, as you know, soft tissue injuries, but now volume concern with Dalvin Cook there. Um, especially knowing, you know, Nathaniel Hackett typically does use a committee approach uh, but I do think Reese Hall, you know, where he can boost some of his early production, where, you know, overall volume might not be there overall. Like, he, I'm not expecting him to be as efficient as he was per touch last year. So there will be a regression there. Um, but, you know, Nathaniel Hackett will probably do more of a 50 uh, 50 split early on. Um, what, what we haven't seen yet, though, is and where a little bit of my concern comes in is uh you know we've seen some of these camp videos where he's gotten back to practice and he's not he's not taking hits you know defenders aren't tackling yet um and and we haven't seen any of that in-game reactionary movement where he has to rapidly decelerate cut change direction it's been a lot of linear and uh curvilinear movement so far and so that's really one of my main concerns or questions of okay, how is he actually going to perform at that point? Yeah. But look at some of these other guys, end of round four, for sure, like you said, by, by round five. You know, based on my projection, if, if he really does get back to some of these efficient touches by week five, six, I would rather take him over, you know, a Damian Pierce or over an Alexander Madison, even though Madison oh, for probably sure. gets the volume. Right? But, yeah. but even with Madison, we have some of those efficiency concerns. So, like, what, what range would you – who are you comfortable taking him over? Oh, I would absolutely take him over both those guys um, <clears throat> that you just mentioned, Pierce and Madison. I just don't think their upside is tremendous. And while Madison at least is in – he's like the only guy there, his floor might be good. I think they're going to throw the ball a ton there in Minnesota, like a ton, a ton. In fact, Kirk Cousins, if I'm punting the quarterback position – He's one of the guys I'm targeting because I think he's going to have so much volume in that passing game. 
Um, I, I don't love Damian Pierce. I understand he had a good, strong rookie year. I think that team's going to stink again, and I think they're going to need to throw a lot at the end of the game. And I see Singletary is a better pass catcher than him. Um, I would definitely take Hall above both those guys that you just mentioned there. And I also I want to bring up, I'm really glad that you mentioned that we haven't seen the deceleration receleration yet. That's typically the hardest thing to get back from this injury. And I think a lot of the casual fans see the videos of him just running straight there and like, oh my God, he's back. And then he hit like 20 or 23 miles an hour or whatever. Straight line running is a lot easier than stop and go when returning from an ACL injury. So, you know, definitely looks like things are on the right track with him. But I do think that I'm a little more bearish than you are. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's the running back that just kind of exceeds the expectations in year one. Let's move on to Rashad Penny. This guy has a lengthy, lengthy injury history, but my goodness can he play when he's actually on the field. 2018, finger fracture. 2018, knee strain. 2019, hamstring. 2019, ACL tear, in which he did not play at all the following season. 2021, knee strain. 21, calf strain. 21, hamstring strain. Last season, fibula fracture and deltoid ligament. This guy has missed 38 games in five seasons with multiple games missed in every season. But man, when he's on the field, he can play and he's behind this incredible offensive line on possibly the best or one of the best offenses in the league. How are you viewing Rashad Penny this year? Yeah, so first off, I I tried to strictly look at it. How would I view Rashad Penny strictly from the ankle fracture and deltoid ligament repair? Uh, first, just to get variance, because it, it's hard to even like can't even survive, you know, a full year. <laughs> with, that's such a lengthy injury history that you just listed. Um, from this sole injury uh, that he suffered, I, I do think he's going to be able to return to play well uh, and back to his efficiency um, that we would expect with low re-injury risk, specifically in terms of the ankle. Um, but again with that lengthy injury history, I basically put some notes down of, I, I wouldn't trust this guy as a, I would never give him 240, 220, 240 touches in a season ever. Right. If I'm the Eagles, they, they have Deandre Swift there who he's dealing with his own injury history as well, but they have Swift, they have Gainwell. Rashad Penny is so good on a per touch basis. And like you said, in this offense, we've seen, we actually saw him running in preseason. He looks fantastic. Right. If you were just looking just this year and didn't know his injury history, like, yeah, this guy's great. Um, but for me, I'm viewing Rashad Penny as a guy who I would much rather have him in best ball leagues. I, I don't really want to touch him in lineup leagues because you just also with the committee in Philadelphia and his injury history, you just have no idea when you'd have to guess. And when can I start this guy on a week to week basis? Yeah, I'm so with you there. I actually attended the Eagles practice a few weeks ago. It was the only one that was open to the public. And he looked incredible. Like He looked like he had no issues at all from the ankle. But you see this laundry list of injuries, predominantly lower body, many of which carry high recurrence rates, or, uh, and especially this one. Like I never like ankle surgeries. I don't know how you've experienced things in your clinical practice, but when I'm seeing someone who has had a major ankle surgery... They often don't fully regain range of motion. Now, he's younger, and he's probably got round-the-clock rehab, so he's more likely than some of the people I see in my practice to regain motion. But I often do not see people regain range of motion in their ankle after surgery, which then can, of course, lead to issues up the chain into the knee, hip, back, etc. 
potentially leading to injury. So I don't think you can trust him to stay on the field for 17 games, but if you can get him for those three, four game stretches where he's absolutely balling out, and if that's at the right time of the year, that can be valuable. There's no way to predict that though, so you can't rely on him as your RB2, maybe not even as a flex, but he is a nice depth piece. He he almost feels like, let me know what you think of this comp, just from a fantasy production standpoint, not necessarily injury, but he, he's almost kind of like a Raheem Mostert, right? Oh, oh like for hope, sure. Hope he gets 10, 12 touches max, but just goes off, right? Yeah, I, I think that's an awesome comp, especially because, you know, Mostert's dealt with his own injuries in the past. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on to Penny's former teammate, Ken Walker, going into year two. Some injuries he's dealt with that we know of, but really, he only ended up missing two games last season. He had a hamstring injury in 22 and OTAs, but he was he got over that. August of 22, we know he had that hernia repair that he missed most of rookie training camp for, and then one game in the regular season. And then later in December, missed a game with an ankle sprain. Now this season, he's dealing with a groin injury, of which I believe he's recently returned to practice for. So what are your thoughts here with Ken Walker, who had a really impressive rookie season, finishing as RB16 in half-point PPR? Yeah, I think early on, my main concern when the groin strain first popped up was, okay, so he dealt with something very similar last in his rookie year, like you mentioned, and then it did lead to a sports hernia surgery. Uh, so when the groin strain popped up this season in, in preseason, I think it popped up uh, July 30th or so. Uh, my main concern was, okay, how does he, how does he respond? One, we, we never know what to expect from Pete Carroll in terms of injury. So he's the worst. Like, absolute worst. Um, yeah, even even for Zach Charbonnet, it's like, oh, he's out indefinitely, and then he's back for you know four days later. It's like, what does out indefinitely even mean? But uh, so when when the groin strain popped up, I, I guess my initial concern was, okay, is this actually a groin strain? Is this going to lead to another sports hernia on maybe the opposite side, which can be very common when you've dealt with one on one side. Oftentimes, you deal with one on the opposite or contralateral. Um, thankfully, it sounds like so he did return to straight line full speed at around a, a week and a half, two weeks after the groin strain happened. Uh, but, but as you know, with the groin strain, we, we care much more about nonlinear movement, lateral agility, cutting. Um, and it sounds like I, I saw a report from about two days ago, I think is he actually got back to full practice. So in theory, if this is strictly a groin strain, if that's actually what it is, uh, I, I think he's going to be, I think he's good to go with, actually low re-injury risk that that re-injury risk reduces every week that he's able to get back into sport sport play movements all that um and, and he has about three weeks left before week one so there's a little risk just on the is this actually what's going on uh but overall from a strictly groin strain issue i think week one we we should have low concern on him I'm completely with you there. And of course, the challenge with some of the reporting in the media is, is it purely a groin injury or is it a groin injury plus the abdominal injury, the sports hernia? And usually by this far out, we'll have some clarity on that. And it seems like it's totally just a groin injury, which obviously is much better prognostically than a sports hernia itself. I'm not overly concerned either. I mean, there's a slight risk for re-injury as there is with any lower body soft tissue injury. But if you look at the data on how players, especially running backs, perform from a fantasy standpoint when they return from this injury, 
it's almost no drop off from their pre-injury production levels. So I'm really not concerned at all, especially since there's still two, three weeks left until week one. I think he's going to be just fine, good to go. And I think this is actually where it's kind of nice that Zach Charbonnet is there. So Kenneth Walker doesn't need to carry the ball 25 to 30 times. He can manage 15 to 20 touches a game. And as we know, he's got that breakaway ability that he can score from anywhere on the field and be efficient with those touches. Doesn't this backfield feel, since we just talked about him, doesn't it feel kind of like that old Rashad Penny, Chris Carson backfield, lightning and thunder? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, these days there's only a handful of backs that are going to touch the ball 25 to 30 times a game. And they're all going around one or two. With Ken Walker getting him a little bit later, and I think that's a fine situation for him there. And I'm totally comfortable with him as my running back too. So let's move on to somebody who I'm not comfortable with drafting anywhere at all, probably for the rest of his career. And, and I don't mean to make jokes of that. I really hope that he can get things together and that he can get on a good training program, diet, whatever he needs to do. But Elijah Mitchell, he just simply has not been able to stay on the field. So many injuries he's had. He's missed, I believe, 18 or so games in his two years in the league with a shoulder injury, rib injury, finger fracture, concussion, knee sprain, hamstring strain, MCL sprain, that a few weeks after returning, he aggravated and missed a total of 12 games last year due to the two MCL injuries. And now he's already dealing with a groin injury. Do you agree or disagree that we simply just cannot trust this guy to stay on the field this year? So 100% agree. Um, and this one actually, I this one carries a little more concern for me because, but as you know, I'm a, I'm a Niners fan, so I, I follow them a little closer. They're my home team. I follow them a little closer than other, other teams. Um, but he's actually, there's no confirmation that this is the same side, but if it is, um, he actually missed the NFC title game because of a groin strain back in January. And then uh, he was he was trying to ramp up his workload. He was trying to get back for OTAs. He, he made it back, but then missed more time because of groin strain. And then he got into camp. Uh, and then all of a sudden we get this report that, hey, Elijah Mitchell actually won't be participating in camp with a groin strain. Um, so he, and he's now missed, I think, three or four weeks. I just don't know. There, there were even rumors that the 49ers were going to trade him. I don't even think that's possible at this point because he's not healthy. What team's going to trade for him, especially with how many running backs are out there. Um, but there, there's risk here, especially following camp. You know, Jordan Mason and Tyrion Davis-Price have been getting all these reps with the team and, and actually been impressed. Uh, or they've been impressing the front office and Kyle Shanahan uh, per touch. Elijah Mitchell is just, I think, going to fall down that, that depth chart, you know, he's great when he's healthy, but maybe he plays what five, eight games in a year. So I, I don't want him at all in fantasy football, even in best ball. I'm just not touching him. Yeah. It's interesting because he's, he's not so different than Rashad Penny in that when he plays, he's really effective, but you just like, can't trust him to play. But I just feel like even though they're so similar in that sense, I so much prefer Penny because like, Mitchell's missed 18 games in two seasons. That's half of your career that you've not been able to stay on the field for. And it's not like it's one big injury that knocked him out for the whole season. Like, it's been multiple different injuries. Like, every two to three weeks, it's a new injury that's costing him three-plus weeks or so. And we know that prior injury is, like, the biggest risk factor for future injury, especially when it's lower body injuries, which a handful of his injuries are. 
and especially with the the two MCLs, the recurring MCL injuries, and I don't think he even had surgery on them, so there's probably some major scarring in there, and this groin injuries that are recurring. I'm not touching him anywhere, but I really do hope that he can get it together. Well, especially with, you know, I think we take into account the player injury history specifically, but then also look at how do these certain run schemes affect some of these running backs and, and the injury risk and like the Niner that now they're, they're going a little bit away from outside zone going more towards gap. Um, but we, we know four Niners running backs get hurt. Same thing with, you know, Mike McDaniel went over to Miami, Miami running backs get hurt. Jets running backs get hurt. So I just, I don't want Elijah Mitchell. I love him. Yeah. Love him on the Niners, but no thanks. Rooting for him but won't be on our teams this year. Now for somebody who I do have a share of in Dynasty, and I plan on taking at the end of several redrafts, Saints rookie Kendra Miller, who is dealing with some knee injuries of his own. We know that in December, I believe it was New Year's Eve, the MCL injury, which we think there may have also been some meniscus involvement and that required surgery. He looked fantastic in camp, in my opinion, in some of the videos that we saw prior to him tweaking his knee again about a week ago. Initially, we thought this tweak would have been more serious, uh, but it looks like he's already back in practice. How are you feeling about Kendra? So, so you're are you pretty high on Kendra? For dynasty, I love him. For redraft, I mean, I'm, I'm picking him at the end of the draft, like hoping that he he pops off. Yeah, I'm, so I'm a little opposite. Well, so, so dynasty, I'm still trying to figure that out because I actually have him in a couple leagues. Um, I'm close to wanting to get out, or at least when his price increases, uh, value increases. For this year, though, I, I, I don't think it's going to be there. Um, my concern is, and, and Reggie Q over at Destination Debbie has talked a lot about this, on the aspect we, we never want to talk about, or we always want to downplay in terms of fantasy value, is, so before his re-injury, he was already struggling in camp, I guess, with, especially with pass pro, missing assignments. He was inconsistent in his reps. And, and so now he, he missed a ton of time after the draft. He missed time in OTAs. He got into camp a little bit, re-injured in preseason week one, now missing uh, more reps. Based on what I've seen, maybe you've seen something different, but uh, based on what, I, what I've seen, he's, he is back. He returned back to practice quickly, but he's only doing individual drills. And you never – who knows what he's doing behind the scenes, but I mostly saw him doing, again, the linear movement. He's wearing the brace. Uh, it sounds like he might play in preseason week two. That's actually tonight. So I'll be curious to see that. Um, but looking at a rookie running back who's who's missing these reps, who's, who's already struggling with his reps, especially pass pro, I don't know if Dennis Allen is going to trust him to get a, a decent workload within these first three weeks. And then once week four hits, Alvin Kamara's coming back. It's it's just going to be the Alvin Kamara Jamal Williams show. So unless something happens to one of them, I, I don't. I just personally don't think Kendra Miller will have much of a role this year, uh, and and probably not even worth in, in grabbing late round best ball. Um, I know a lot of people have been hyping him up, but based on where he's going, I, I'd probably rather grab somebody else in that range. Um, now that's that's strictly all of the rep thinking, you know, in that mindset, then you have to look at the re-injury risk of, so like you said, MCL sprain, MCL surgery, um, there was some rumors that possibly dealing with a meniscus injury as well, maybe an, an irritation, and then he re-injures the knee. 
I, I just have some some re-injury concern going into the season. How's it going to heal after this re-injury? Uh, what do you think on that? Yeah, I, I don't question that at all. I look at his college profile. It was very, very effective. I look at him behind two 28-year-old running backs, and I think the Saints are going to want to see what they have in him. With uh, with Kendra Miller, I also look at, you know, I know this was a different coaching regime back then, but Alvin Kamara's rookie season, he was behind Mark in- Ingram and Adrian Peterson, and he found his way onto the field and was very, very effective right away. Now, obviously, it's a different coaching staff, hard to compare that, but I think if Kendra is able to get on the field in these first three weeks without Kamara, and if he can show something, they're not going to not put him back on the field when Kamara comes back. It may not be as much volume, but I think that if he shows that he can play in this league in these first three weeks, even if it's purely first and second down, if he's not quite ready for pass pro yet, then they're still going to find ways to get him on the field. And I think he's a tremendous prospect. The injury stuff, I don't love to see that re-injury to the knee. Prior to that, though, his camp videos looked really good, and I was a little bit lower concerned for re-injury. But again, he's super young, so in theory, he's going to heal really well. And I think we're going to find out pretty soon if the media was making a little too much of this re-injury or if it really was a concern. And luckily for me, I know my first draft isn't for another eight or nine days, so I've got another week or so to um, gather some more camp reports that will really help make my decision on if I want him in redraft. But like I said, for Dynasty, I I love him. And as of now, I think he's worth around 12 or 13 redraft pick. One one note on Dynasty, too. I've seen some people say, you know, oh, he got re-injured. I I don't don't know if you've seen some of these takes from big accounts. He got re-injured. He's not going to have much of a role. Sell, get out for a future second. And, and I look at that. I'm like, man, I like say you can get Kendry Miller for a late second. Why would I not do that? Yeah, right. Especially for <laughs> yeah, future right. value. That right. that just seems ridiculous. Um, he got you know round three draft capital, right? And he's 21 years old. So yeah, on that point, I I, I don't, I'm not there on the sell for any future second. That just seems too cheap like you're giving up you know yeah agreed one more for today miles sanders now with the carolina panthers after four years with the philadelphia eagles in the four years he's been in the league he's missed eight games which for a guy who's seen over 800 touches that's not terrible um he does have a fairly lengthy list of injuries but none that just none that were super severe we've got a couple hamstrings a couple ankle sprains groin injury hand fracture And the groin is what he's currently dealing with and currently missing camp for. Jeff, are you feeling fairly similar to how we felt about Ken Walker when we talked about the groin, or do you have a different slant towards Miles Sanders? Little different towards Miles Sanders, but I do think the risk, um, like any any risk for Miles Sanders compared to Kenneth Walker is basically made up in uh, ADP, in cost, right? So... Um, I, I think my concern is, like you mentioned, the, the overall injury history with Miles Sanders. He hasn't missed a ton of games, but he's dealt with some recurrent hamstring strains, recurrent soft tissue strains. Um, and looking at the regime there, you know, we, we've heard Frank Reich and Deuce Staley say, Miles Sanders, he's a three down back. We're going to we want to give him a big workload. But, you know, looking at what Deuce Staley has done with his running backs, especially once they have suffered some injuries, the narrative shifted a little bit of this guy's going to get a big workload. We want him. He's a three down, three down back to after he suffered his groin strain, Deuce Staley and Frank Reich basically saying, we have to be careful with Miles Sanders. We have to be cautious with him. We want to make sure he's healthy all year. 
So I, I hear that, and then I look at what they did with DeAndre Swift, where once he started dealing with injuries, he's getting 10 touches a game. Um, so that, I, I'm kind of torn, to be honest, on Miles Sanders. I, I think there is some re-injury risk there, um, and I think there's some volume risk there, given the coaches who are there, and do Staley's tendency to use three running backs. Um, one potential pro towards Miles Sanders is, the running backs behind Miles Sanders aren't very good. Uh, and, you know, Chuba Hubbard's running back two behind him, and he actually just suffered his own ankle sprain, uh, his third ankle sprain since 2020. So I, if I'm being honest, I'm just torn on him. But at cost, like, I feel like that's baked into his ADP. Yeah, I think he's, like, the most boring running back to talk about because I just don't think there's massive upside. But also, he's not going to kill your team. Like He's like locked in RB2, some increased injury risk, but for a 26-year-old back that's going into year five, it's like they all have some risk at that point. And I don't think that he's at much more of an elevated risk than anyone else in that range. And like we talked about a few minutes ago, even with his groin injury now, as long as it's not also an abdominal injury, it's not as severe, and we don't see a huge decline in fantasy production. So, you know, he's just he's just boring to me that I don't want to pick him. I don't think there's that much upside, but he's so safe in round five or six or wherever he's going right now. And um, I'm really just not making too much of that groin injury. That, to be honest, that's a great way to describe him. Is he's just, he is what he is. If you need him as your running back two or low end running back two, it's fine. You know, I, I feel like I'd have to see the list again. I, it's been a couple of weeks since I've looked at ADP. Um, I feel like I'd have to see the list again of like who's going around him and kind of pick and choose. Like, yeah, I'd pick that guy over Miles, and I'd rather have Miles over him. You know, last I saw, he's going as what running back, probably in the mid to late twenties, something around there. Let me ask you this: Who would you take, Sanders or J.K. Dobbins? Dobbins. Ah, yeah. uh, well, <sighs> assuming assuming Dobbins actually plays all year, Dobbins. I would take Dobbins as well. Sanders or Madison? Mm. From that standpoint, I think I would actually take Madison, even though I think Miles Sanders would be more efficient per touch. Minnesota is going to have the much better offense. We've seen in preseason the offensive line struggles, plus with rookie rookie quarterback. Yeah, they rely more on the running backs, but at that point, especially given the offense, I would rather go Madison. Yeah. Let me ask you this, actually given injuries you probably talked about him last week uh miles sanders or javonta williams oh that's a good one um after yesterday i think that so here's how i see javonta williams i think he's probably going to struggle to fully regain his athleticism this year but sean payton throws the ball to running backs we know that from from camara in the past and javonta can catch the ball so from a value of target standpoint, I think Javante may actually exceed my prior expectations of him from a couple weeks ago. But from a athleticism standpoint, it's probably going to take him a whole or at least towards the end of the season to get it all back. So I'd probably lean Javante there. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And I think looking at it, like I, I 100% agree. I don't think the – people probably don't think I, I am saying that with some of my posts hyping up Javante Williams – I don't think his efficiency is going to be there. I think he's going to struggle per touch. Like he, he won't be, he was so good. Um, was it last year or two years ago uh, per touch, just breaking tackles. He was top of the metrics and breaking tackles, creating yards, all that. I think he's going to struggle per touch on, on that standpoint, 
but he's going to make up, I think he'll, he'll make up uh, some of that production in terms of being used in the, in the passing game. Right. And Sean Pay, his first game back, right. We heard Javante Williams is going to see maybe, you know, 10 to 15 snaps. It's like Sean Payton basically said, screw the ACL. We're going to throw this guy out there. He got a 55% target share in his first game back. Yeah. Uh, and he, they actually lined him up as a wide receiver. So it's like it, looking at that, they're going to use him as a receiver. I, for me, that creates a little safety net in PPR leagues where I'm okay taking Javante Williams there and just understanding he probably won't get back to some of his really good rushing production till maybe mid-season, probably late season, like you were saying. All right, Jeff. We appreciate you coming on. He is Jeff Mueller, Twitter, JMThrivePT. You can also find him at Destination Devi and DLF. Jeff, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks again. Sorry about the dogs. I'll uh, I'll put them outside next time. <laughs> hey, we always welcome our furry four-legged friends on the show. All right, folks. So you just heard from the medical experts, and now it is my turn to talk not really anything medically, but let's talk fantasy. So they gave, you know, really, really great stuff there from Tom and Jeff, and, and we love having special guests on it. There was very, very educated and interesting conversation, and, and we could all learn something from it. Just going to go briefly through these guys that they just discussed and give you my quick input on how I think that they're going to do this year, how they're going to fare, starting with the guy that our host really loves, loves and love, and it's Brees Hall. And these guys during this interview were just talking about how they might take Brees Hall if he's there in the fifth round, the fourth round, really taking a step back, of course, coming off the major injury and of course, signing 28, 29 year old Dalvin Cook. There's worry here, but to me in the fourth and fifth round, that's already baked in guys. Maybe you're a little bit hesitant to take Brees Hall in the third round, uh, early third, late third round, whatever it is. If he's available to you in the fourth round and you could get Brees Hall as your RB2, or maybe he's even your first running back, all you got to do is maintain early in the year, right? Brees Hall, it goes without saying, just an absolutely incredible talent. He was on pace last year before the injury to be special. And I think if you can take Brees Hall in the fourth round, I, I, I might even want to take, take him in the third round because that's just how good of an actual talent he is. And I want a piece of this Jets offense. But if you can get him for the first couple weeks, stay afloat, go two and two, go three and three, Brees Hall is the guy that's going to win you your league. Let me just say this. If Brees Hall was not hurt, he would be a consensus first-round pick if he wasn't now. They talked about how he's recovering nicely. I'm saying if he never got hurt at all, you're taking this guy fifth, sixth, seventh overall. He would be in that conversation, right? Last year, played seven games, was on pace. Well, during those games, Brees Hall averaged 15.2 points per game in his rookie season, and he just kept getting better and better and better, right? That pace, if he played the whole year, would have made him RB6, right? And I think, to me, the cost is baked in, right? You don't need to take him in the first or the second, sometimes not in the third. If Brees Hall's looking at you in the fourth round, Pull the trigger, guys. 
do it. I'm not worried about Dalvin Cook. Think about why they signed Dalvin Cook. The Jets are a team here that's trying to make it to the Super Bowl. They're trying to make a run this year. It's an insurance policy. I watched him play last year, right? Dalvin Cook had a couple nice games in there. All of his metrics, his explosiveness, almost everything on PFF was down. Bad. He is just there as a mere insurance policy as the Jets try to make a Super Bowl run. You can get your hands on Brees Hall in the fourth or fifth round. Thank yourself. Thank me. Thank Brees Hall. He's a lock for me. Again, maybe maybe not in the third, but he's a guy that can turn it on, win you your league. Next is a guy that they talked about, Rashad Penny. He's going a little bit later. He's going at RB35, 95th overall. I've seen Rashad Penny go in the sixth round. I've seen him go in the ninth round, right? And and another guy that's just super talented. I had him last year in fantasy. I loved that. I loved the way that he finished the 2021 season going into last year. So I took him. Phenomenal running back, right? In his career, guys, Rashad Penny, 5.7 yards per carry. Um, Goodness, I mean, there's a lot of really positive things to look at when you look at Rashad Penny. He's a he's a very, very talented running back. Now behind one of the most talented offensive lines in the league and a team that is going to see a lot of friendly game scripts. They're going to be running the ball. He's excellent on the goal line. His his efficiency is tremendous. And again, a, a great offensive line. He's probably going to be when healthy, the primary early down back here. You're going to have Swift. You're going to have Kenneth Gainwell competing and fighting for some touches. They do trust Kenneth Gainwell. They always talk about that. I'm not worried about that because he and Rashad Penny do different things. A lot of good things here. And last year, guys, Miles Sanders was a solid RB2 in fantasy. I'm telling you right now, all the underlying metrics, Rashad Penny is light years better than Miles Sanders. But let's flip the script, guys. Negatives, right? It's not going to stay on the field for you. I don't see a world. I'm not wishing this upon him. I'm so sick of all the injuries. I feel bad for Rashad Penny because what could have been, but like the guys on the podcast talked about, right? A lot of these injuries are lower body. They are reoccurring. The, the reoccurrence rate is going to be high on these. Rashad Penny's only played 10 plus games once in his career, right? A lot of mouths to feed. Again, you do have uh, Kenneth Gainwell. You do have uh, even Boston Scott. You have DeAndre Swift. The stars have to align here. If you want Rashad Penny, I think it's the ultimate lottery ticket. I think he could be a guy we look back on. And he, guys, I'm not kidding you. He's talented enough to finish as a as a mid-range RB2, right? Is he going to stay on the field? I hope he does, but probably not. He's the ultimate lottery ticket. I think the guy that gets him is either going to be making a serious playoff run in fantasy football or it's just going to be a wasted pick. So check your tolerance for uh, for risk. I'm not touching him. There's a lot of other guys around there I like. I've been burned by him just too many times. I just don't see him being able to stay on the field. Next guy they discussed was another guy going pretty early, Ken Walker. He's going around RB14. I've seen Ken Walker go in the third round. Usually ADP averages for him around the fourth round. He goes around guys like uh, Damian Pierce or Cam Akers. There's a lot of different guys around there. My analysis on Walker, another guy I had a bunch of shares of last year, of course, after the penny injury. Um, I'm not going to have many shares of him this year. Uh, precisely zero is what I'm anticipating here. Only had last year, Ken Walker, 35 targets, even with Penny being hurt. 
doesn't catch the ball. He does not catch the ball in this Seahawks offense that is going to want to throw. Guys, Geno Smith surprised people last year. They're going to throw. They have DK Metcalf. We have Tyler Lockett. We have some decent tight ends. And now we have Jackson Smith and Jigba. This team is going to throw, throw, throw. He might not even be on the field for those situations. Um, now, last year, Ken Walker succeeded really for two reasons, okay? A lot of long touchdowns. Is that repeatable? Not typically, right? Touchdowns are very random in fantasy football, and a lot of his touchdowns were long, big plays, right? Ken Walker's not exactly a guy, his running style, that he's just going to hit the whole go. He's patient. He waits. That often occurs, and what often happens because of that is he loses yards and, and he goes backwards, but sometimes he does get those big plays. But what if those big plays aren't there again? Right, you're going to see touchdown regression. You're going to play big play. You're going to see big play regression. But he was also so good last year because of opportunity. The backups last year to Ken Walker were horrendous. There was nobody there. They had to play him, play him, play him. This year, what the Seahawks do? Right, frustrating as can be if you're a Ken Walker owner in Dynasty or whatever. That Zach Charbonnet is a legitimately good prospect. UCLA second round pick. He's good. Sure, dealing with his own injuries right now. He's a very solid player. And also who they draft? From Georgia, Kenny McIntosh, because they need someone to come out of the backfield and be able to catch passes, right? Where Ken Walker's going, you could do a lot better. Um, I'm fully out on him for all these reasons listed this year. Not going to have much of him. And I think it is going to take him getting much better in the passing game as a pass blocker and his hands and running routes uh, it's going to take a Zach Charbonnet injury, or he's going to have to be out for a really long time. And it's going to take a lot. And again, a situation where the stars need to align. If you want Ken Walker returning the ADP, I'm not going to have much of him this year at all. Another guy, we have three left. Um, Elijah Mitchell, they discussed going later, RB42. I'm not picking him. The only reason I think you do pick him is if you get CMC. Just kind of handcuff it right. Standalone value is not really there. There's other guys there. There's Tyron Davis Price. There's Jordan Mason. Guys that have been impressing, uh, impressing in OTAs. I'm not taking Elijah Mitchell. Um, I think it's a waste of draft pick once again, unless you do have CMC. Plus, he's always hurt dealing with his own things. I will say this, though. He does actually cap when he's healthy. This was interesting that I found. He does cap CMC's upside. With Mitchell in, historically, I think this is over the last year, year and a half, when Elijah Mitchell plays, CMC averages 16.7 points per game. When Elijah Mitchell does not play, CMC averages 24.9 points per game. Just something to think about. I don't know how you can use that statistic, but uh, Elijah Mitchell's not a guy I'm taking. No standalone value. Um, even when CMC, if, excuse me, not when, if CMC does go down, this will go directly to a timeshare. So, you know, the only way that, again, I'm taking him is if I do have CMC. Next guy I'm taking a couple shots on, it's Kendra Miller, the rookie for the Saints. Um, the depth chart there is interesting. I want a piece of this offense. I like Derek Carr being there. I love Chris Olave. I think they're going to be a high-flying offense. Maybe not a top 10 in the league, but I think they're going to be solid, and I think there'll be some fantasy production from this team. It's just the depth chart. Kamara, yes, suspended. I believe it's three, not six, three or four games. I forget exactly what it is, but he'll be back, and Kamara is, is, has been for years a, a rock-solid fantasy and NFL option, catching the ball, doing really everything that they ask him to do. But also they have Jamal Williams, too, who last year we saw eight on the goal line. I mean, he had so many freaking one-yard touchdowns last year. So I'm just struggling to find where Kendra Miller's even standalone value is. I think he is going to have to see either one or two things. Uh, Kamara get hurt. 
or Jamal Williams get hurt, something, because if Jamal Williams is going to take all the goal line carries and Kamara, as dynamic as he is, is going to be in the backfield on third downs and maybe some early downs, I don't see where Kendra Miller standalone value is going to help you. But he's a guy that, again, he's he's talented. I'm trying to get some exposure to him there because um, I do want a part of this backfield, but it's just so muddy with Kamara, with Jamal Williams, with Kendra Miller. I think Kendra Miller is the one guy I would want out of that backfield just based off value, based off ADP. But it's just tough. It's tough for him to to uh, you know beat his ADP unless some other things happen. And then last guy they discussed was Miles Sanders. Guy right now uh, had a good year last year, and I was a hater of Miles Sanders. I just didn't think he was that good. Um, and I still don't think he's that good. I think last year was a result of him being on the Eagles and the result of their high-flying offense and offensive line. Uh, right now he's going as fourth rounder, uh, about RB19. If you're taking Miles Sanders, you're not taking him because he's that good, and you're not taking him because he's on an offense that's going to even be good at all, right? Because Carolina is not going to be good. You're taking Miles Sanders. I think you're taking a guy with a very low ceiling and a pretty high floor. You're taking a guy that's going to get volume, 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 volume. He reminds me of a guy in a situation like a Najee Harris, a guy that, you're, again, you're just going to take because maybe he's not even that good. And side note, Jalen Warren is 10 times better than Najee Harris. We'll talk about that another time. But you're taking a guy who's going to get probably consistent volume, um, not going to be in a great offense. I think he probably will finish around a low-end RB2. Um, you know, if you're really shooting for the stars to, to win your league, I don't think this is the pick for you. You know, Ch uh, Chuba Hubbard's still there. Raheem Blackshear gets involved in this offense. Could be a workhorse type of guy, but I just don't see the high, high end. Uh, but listen, that's some people's style here. Maybe the first three rounds you take some risks and you kind of want to just solidify your roster with somebody safe. Sanders could be the guy. All right. That does it for me. So Brees Hall, Rashad Penny, Ken Walker, Elijah Mitchell, Kendra Miller, and Miles Sanders. And that does it for our show. So thank you guys for joining us. We are the Fantasy Injury Team. And we'll see you next time.